It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Hi folks, welcome to Quantum number 269, Quantum a podcast that looks at news and views from a Christian worldview, but is open to all. Now, uh, this has very much been in the news, and I, I was extremely reluctant to do anything on it, but uh, I read an article which is incredibly helpful, and I thought I would share it with you. So, first of all, this is what we're talking about. I like to have it off. Right? As sort of... Thanks. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, that's cheesy idea of sex. Sex. The love of it. The dogged, unashamed pursuit of it. Russell Brand's thing. I'm really crap at this, aren't I? You're lovely, you're fine. Just go with it. Don't try and fight it. I have to say that every day. <laughs> the core of his act an act which made him one of Britain's best-known comedians and actors. What I do is I make absolutely sure that it is a woman, then go for it. It saw him become the host of Channel 4's Big Brother spin-off. Welcome to Big Brother's E-Forum. One of the stars of BBC Radio. It even took him to Hollywood. Now tonight, off stage, it sees him accused of rape, sexual assault, controlling and abusive behaviour uncovered in a major investigation by Channel 4 Dispatches, The Times and The Sunday Times. He's grabbing at my... Now, Russell Brand is a complex character in lots of ways. It, and this case isn't simple either. One of the problems I have with this case is that we are invited to do trial by media. And I just think it's a real shame that we actually do that in lots of ways. So I'm not going to comment on whether Russell Brand is guilty or not of the offences. I was going to say he's been charged with. Of course, he's not been charged. This has, this is uh, accusations that are made in the media. And they may be accusations that are true and they may not be true. We don't know. And we need to be very, very careful when both we are commenting on or uh, seeking to justify or defend. No, no matter what Brand said, you see, there, there, there's things that Brand does that I find utterly atrocious. And at the same time, there are things that he said that I find fascinating and sometimes agree with, sometimes disagree with. But there was a tremendous article by um, Constantine Kissin, who's a guy I'm increasingly coming to admire. I, I do try and avoid misinformation, if that's how I can put it. I do try and give, bring you accurate news and comment, and uh, const and I do put up links to the various sources for what I use, which come from a wide variety. But this from Constantine is actually very, very good. I won't read you the whole article. I'll just mention some of the things within it. Now, uh, he points out that Brand has been accused of rape, sexual assault, and various other offences on, offenses on the Channel 4 Dispatches programme. And he points out that Brand is innocent until proven guilty, which is a, a, a hugely important thing. 
And he points out that he has no evidence that he committed any of the acts of which he's been accused, and neither do, do any of us. We do know it's wrong to ruin people's lives on the basis of allegations. Time and again, we have seen persuasive stories crumble and supposedly robust court, court cases go nowhere. And he also points out something that is incredibly true, that uh, these allegations are unlikely to have been pursued with the same vigour and thoroughness were it not for Brand's prominence and his increasingly vehement, powerfully delivered anti-mainstream views. And I think all of that is true. And I hope people do agree on that, as Constantine points out. But he then goes on to say this. First of all, it appears a growing number of people no longer understand what the principle of innocent till proven guilty actually means. Um, Elon Musk, for example, who owns X, effectively the public square in which much political, cultural and journalistic discussion happens, replied, of course, they don't like competition without seeing the allegations or the evidence. Innocent till proven guilty doesn't mean that you are able to say they didn't do it. You, we don't know that. There are many other examples. Ben Shapiro uh, has never been accused of rape, for example, and he blows up a lot of the legacy media and TV networks. Neither is Joe Rogan. Uh, neither is Nigel Farage. And Constantine says this, which is very important. Russell Brand is innocent until proven guilty. Destroying his life because of media reports is wrong. But to dismiss allegations without seeing them simply because the accused is not on your team is not what innocent until proven guilty means. And then this is where this comes in, not just for Brand, but for our culture in general. And that's why I've taken so long on this, is that as Constantine points out, we have lost our ability to make sense of the world. Powerful people with huge audiences no longer care to even look at the evidence before dismissing it. Many of the people who automatically believe Brand's accusers would be the first to dismiss or ignore the same accusation against their political allies. Many of the people who disbelieve Brand's accusers would be the first to amplify the same exact allegation against their enemies. I think that, as Constantine warns, the mainstream media's destruction of their own credibility with endless lies was the biggest boy-who-cried-wolf story in the history of the world. What we've learned over the weekend, he says, is that this process is complete. Many people are so fed up with being deceived and so wedded to their own team that they no longer believe truth matters. This will not end well. Well, amen to that. Okay, uh, we haven't played you any music yet, so... Here's Gary Newman. cars and therefore we are going to talk about this. Here is Rishi Sunak. I'm announcing today that we're going to ease the transition to electric vehicles. 
you'll still be able to buy petrol and diesel cars and vans until 2035. Even after that, you'll still be able to buy and sell them secondhand. We're aligning our approach with countries like Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Australia, Canada, Sweden, and US states such as California, New York, and Massachusetts, and still ahead of the rest of America and other countries like New Zealand. Now, what's fascinating is in a well-trailed announcement, he's saying that the phase-out of selling new petrol or diesel cars in 2030 has now been shifted to 2035, and the same with heat pumps. Now, that's eminently sensible. It's what other European countries are doing. The, the move to electric cars has not gone smoothly and has slowed down. In fact, the sales of electric cars have dropped 11% in the past year. But the usual hysteria. So the National, for example, the newspaper that supports an independent Scotland. Headline is, Young Scots react with fury. PM has blood on his hands. Rolling back of climate pledges sparks fierce backlash. Yeah. I'm sorry, but what would these young Scots know? And how does pushing back the electric car thing cause, as someone has put it, billions or millions of deaths? Just a boil, of course, has said that Rishi Sunak is now genocidal and should be prosecuted. That, of course, is utterly meaningless. It's just meaningless. But, you know, our, our, our young people are being indoctrinated and wound up in this way. It was a fascinating story here in Australia of a youth climate group putting out malware under the guise of cookies, you know, actually cookie recipes for cookies that you eat, but actually putting cookies in them so that people who click on that will automatically get uh, an algorithm which shifts their news only to those papers like The National or The Guardian who support the whole narrative on climate change. Now, that's what happened. happening. Even our news is being groomed in that way. So, I suspect if you were on that algorithm, you wouldn't get this news from Germany, that uh, Germany's bid to reach net zero by 2045, itself already unrealistic, they're backing down on that. There's some extraordinary things been happening. The German government is now trying to save its heavy industry, Chemicals giants BASF, for example, announced it's going to invest in a new 10 billion plant in China rather than Europe, thanks to the cost of energy. The government is now seeking to raid its 200 billion climate change transition fund, supposed to invest in green technology, to find a way to help households and industries be able to afford to live. Well... Some of the subsidies are disappearing now into the pockets of the owner of coal-fired power stations, which are being fired up again because the Germans, for two reasons, uh, are shutting down, well, the two re- their energy is so expensive, they shut down their nuclear plants, which was crazy, and they have, they were so dependent on Russian gas, and a lot of that has now gone. Yeah, it's just extraordinary. Wind and solar are not going to deliver sufficient energy that's cheap and reliable enough to replace all fossil fuels. Let me repeat that, because people need to understand that. And the the young people with the we're going to save the planet mantra. Wind and solar are not going to deliver sufficient energy that is cheap and reliable enough to replace all fossil fuels. 
at least not until new technology comes into play. What will happen is German industry and British industry as well and Australian industry will all be disappearing to South Asia where they're not bothered by such targets. All right, let's come to our country of the week. Uh, Here's their national anthem. That is Fiji. Now, I am so desperate to go to Fiji. So many Australians go to Fiji on holiday and they just keep telling me how great it is. Every Fijian I've met has been absolutely marvellous. I just love, I mean, they're big people, let's put it that way. And and in a positive way, I've met Fijian rugby players and so on. Fiji is an island country in Melanesia. it lies about 2,000 kilometers or 1,300 miles north-northeast of New Zealand. It consists of about 330 islands, of which 110 are permanently inhabited. It has a total land area of only 18,300 square kilometers, which is about a fifth the size of Scotland. 87% of the population of 925,000 live on the two major islands, Viti Levu and Vanua Levu. Um... A lot live in the capital city of Suva. Uh, big issues facing Fiji. Over a quarter of a million people remain trapped below the poverty line. Rural and remote island communities are particularly vulnerable due to lack of access to clean water, sanitation, health care and other government services. It's one of the most Christian countries you can go to. 65% profess Christianity, of which 35% are Methodist, 27.9% are Hindu, 6.3% Islam. Fiji came to mind because of this. And now all the backs pile into this mall. It's tucked in the back under the right wing of Pariki. They've got advantage. Australia organised up towards the line. Pariki, another advantage for them. That is the sound of Fiji beating Australia in the Rugby World Club. A wonderful result. Okay, let's just go to Azerbaijan. Um, I was going to lead off with this, but even as I'm talking, events are happening. So the story of Azerbaijan and Nagorno-Karabakh and Armenia, in case you're not aware of it, uh, it's very, very, very important, actually. So... Azerbaijan, largely Muslim nation supported by Turkey. Armenia, Christian nation supported by Russia. Armenia had an an enclave in part of Azerbaijan called Nagorno-Karabakh. There have been two wars fought on that already. 
Um, there's 120,000 ethnic Armenians live in this South Caucasus enclave. Now, Azerbaijan has started again a couple of days ago another war. They have cut them off. They cut them off anyway. People couldn't get supplies. People were hungry. Um, there has been a peace treaty signed just now, and I'm just trying to look at what that involves. But it does appear to this as though the Armenian government have effectively given up and are just going to leave their people to be brutalized. And the Azerbaijanis will take over the area. There will be a form of genocide. And we don't care. We don't care. You see, there's a war in Ukraine and it's the West fighting Russia. And we haven't time to bother with this. I don't think we... I just don't think we care. I really don't. And the reason I care is this. After the First World War, the Turks committed genocide against the Armenians. Over a million killed. Over a million killed. Now in Turkey, if I was in Turkey and I said that the Turks had committed genocide, that's actually a crime to say that in Turkey. And the Armenians, the world's oldest Christian nation, we've looked at Fiji, but the Armenians, the world's oldest Christian nation, have been persecuted and are continuing to be persecuted. And it is just disgraceful that the West says it cares about democracy and cares about protecting Ukrainians, but not the Armenians. We won't do a thing. I think it's just hypocrisy. All right, uh, let's look at the woke world. Here's some more music. Okay, we, we, not too much of that. Can't stand it. It's actually Japanese techno, Kenishi Extra. Um, we're bringing that in because an extraordinary story that one of you sent to me. A Japanese man married to a virtual pop star is, cap, is campaigning for, this is the word of the week, by the way, fictosexuals to have the same rights as every other Japanese and for a halt to the persecution of people in relationships with fictional characters. Akiyoko Kondo, a 40-year-old civil servant from Tokyo, married the virtual character Hatsune Miko in November 2018, but has since been confronted with a series of obstacles since he first fell in love with the blue-haired performer. Remember, we're talking about cartoon character a decade earlier. He created the Fictosexual Association to fight for equality and combat discrimination. I've never had a real girlfriend or lover, he said, but I've had a number of girlfriends who were characters from anime or computer games. Not surprisingly, he's not being able to register his marriage because it's not permitted to wed a virtual character under Japanese law. Oh, he said, at work, the trend was that young people were more understanding and the older people less so. I was working in a secondary school at the time and many students celebrated my marriage with me. 
That has changed, however, now, he says, and many young people are not, see nothing odd in a person being fictosexual. I hope that in the future, he said, fictosexuals are not persecuted, and every wedding venue will accept them if that is where they want to hold their wedding. Yeah. That's where the world's heading. Uh, back in the UK, the NHS is creating hundreds of diversity and inclusion roles despite being told to crack down on waste and wokery. NHS England have drawn up plans for three new departments called Equality, Diversity and Inclusion, People and Culture and People and Community with 244 posts across the teams at an average salary of over 50000 per person. Who needs nurses? Who needs doctors? When you can have diversity and inclusion. Consultants. Meanwhile, NHS waiting lists in England are at a record high with 7.7 million people, around one in seven of the population waiting for treatment. Well, we knew this was come. Of course, we rewrite history. According to uh, brilliant black British history by the Nigerian-born British author Atinuki, Stonehenge was built by black people. In fact, the very first Britons were black. Britain's been mostly a white country for a lot less time than it's been mostly a black country. It's a lie. It's nonsense. But in this world of misinformation where certain misinformation is privileged, I suspect she'll get away with this one and the BBC and others will laud her. Speaking of books, do you know who this is? That is rare footage from 1933. I think it was Goebbels book burning in Nazi Germany. Nah, we're not going back there, are we? Oh yeah, we are. We really are. Take this news from Canada. Books published in 2008, 2008 or earlier have been removed from school libraries in Ontario in Canada. Uh, things like Harry Potter, The Hunger Games and Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. These are all books that have gone. Um, more than 50% of the school's library books have gone. And here's the reason why. It's because Ontario is committed to ensuring that the addition of new books better reflects the rich diversities of our, communion, of our communities. It's because they are concerned that um, these books won't be inclusive enough. We're going to rewrite history for kids. We're also going to remove all the literature. It's like, uh, it is like 1984, isn't it? Very, very similar to that. Uh, maybe we'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. But here is some more music. They won't choke the life out of my vain jokes. The fun will go on. Oh, oh yeah. Sometime a little later in the meantime. Pain without the gains of feeling something 
that's Rosin Murphy, uh, Fader from her new album Hit Parade. Uh, Rosine is in trouble because she said that she was skeptical of puberty blockers. Pumping gender-confused kids full of hormone suppressants is absolutely desolate, she said on her private Facebook page. Lots of people agree. That doesn't matter. She was attacked viciously. Um, And there were reviews like The Guardian, who just are atrocious. They really are. They said the record was brilliant, etc., etc., but it comes with an ugly stain uh, because Murphy is cowardly and disappointing and unlearn her ignorance. The BBC was even worse because the BBC had two five-hour shows of Murphy's songs and interviews that were going to be put on Six Music, but they've all been scrubbed. And instead, new shows have been made to feature woke rapper Little Zimps. Well, there you go. The BBC, by the way, say it's this is not cancel culture, but we all know that it is. As it happens, the publicity hasn't harmed Murphy. Her, this is the most successful album of her career to date. You know, in 1984, I mentioned that the memory hall is a place where slips of paper containing unwelcome knowledge are depositive, deposited in order that the past be brought up to date. You just scrub it clean. That's what the BBC is trying to do. On the other hand, they did allow this. Listen to this song. That is the London DIY punk riot band Dreamnails. Their track, They Them, featuring li- l- lyrics which include the phrase Kick turf all days, don't break a sweat. Turf being trans-exclusionary radical feminists. The BBC won't listen to Roseanne Murphy or broadcast Roseanne Murphy, Rosine Murphy, because she was against puberty blockers on a private Facebook page, but they will produce a song, broadcast a song, which advocates violence against women. (laughs) And I just... It's almost impossible to describe how they come right around to that. They say, oh, well, people will interpret differently. No, not really. Kick turfs all day. Do you know, if the BBC had... If someone had a song, kick... Jews all day, or kick black people all day. Do you really think they would have said that? Ah, just the way you interpret it. Okay, uh, as I said, I've got an album of the week. This is the album I've been listening to this week. Uh, see if you recognise this. If I ventured in the slipstream between the viaducts of your dream, where my world still runs crack. And the ditch and the back road stop Could you find me 
Would you kiss my eyes Laying it down Silence is To be born again To be born again From the far side of the ocean Have I put the wheels in motion And I stand with my arms behind me And I'm pushing out the door Could you find me Would you kiss on my eyes Lay me down It's silence easy To be born again That's Van Morrison, of course. Astral Weeks, 1967 album. Utterly brilliant. Highly recommended. Get it on Spotify. So worth it. Talking to you to let me Showing pictures on the wall Whispering in the hall I'm pointing a finger at me Uh, just one item of church news. Ronaldo, the footballer, has been baptised into the Catholic Church, he announced on Instagram to his 30 million followers. He said, today is a very special day. I've since been baptised. The Christian faith has always been a fundamental part of my life since childhood, although I had not yet been baptised. With the sacrament, I feel truly regenerated as a child of God in a new, more aware, deeper way. I renew my commitment to follow the way of good, free, and spontaneous will, believing in the love of Jesus in charity and love. Well, I hope he has been converted. And now, let's go to seek before we go. I looked under chairs, I looked under tables. Seek 9. Should I Obey the Government? In looking at that, Seek is a book, for those of you who don't know, that I've written for teenagers. It follows Ask. Uh, 52 questions. This is the ninth question. Somebody asking, should I obey the government? We look at Romans 13, verse 1 to 7, the relationship of the state. We talk about the Scottish Presbyterian minister, Andrew Melville, who spoke of the two kingdoms. We speak of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, should we wear face masks, etc., etc. It reminds me that we as Christians owe obedience to the state, but it's not absolute. And in today's world, a lot of our young people are going to end up being, as David Bowie sang. Got your mother in a 
That's Rebel Rebel. Ironically, Bowie was singing about people being rebels because they dressed or spoke in a way that is now accepted and Christianity is not accepted. And we end up having to be the rebels. Um, here's just a little bit of, of well, I'm saying good news, but this is Brian Cox. But the interesting question is, what does it mean to live a finite, fragile life in an infinite, eternal universe? So that's not that funny, right? It's a good question. <laughs> I think the answer is that, sort of paradoxically, whilst we are definitely physically insignificant, the Earth is one planet around one star amongst 400 billion stars in one galaxy amongst two trillion galaxies in a small patch of the universe, right? So we're definitely small. You can't argue with that, we're just specks of dust. But if you think about what we are, we're just collections of atoms, right? Some of them are as old as time. The other ones, everything else other than the hydrogen in our bodies was made in stars, right? All cooked over billions of years. And we're in this pattern that can think so suddenly, as the great Carl Sagan said, you have a means by which the universe understands and explores itself, which is us. He doesn't get it, does he? What does it mean to live a finite, fragile life amongst an infinite universe? It actually means nothing if we're just a collection of atoms. He can say, yes, we are the universe thinking about itself because we are dust. But if we're just a collection of atoms, it means nothing. I was asked this question at a debate in, wasn't Cambridge, Colchester, I think it was. And somebody stood up and said, who do you think you are? You are just one person amongst seven billion on this planet. We are just a tiny planet in a galaxy, which is just one galaxy of millions. And I said to him, my answer was simply this, in your worldview, I am nothing. And nobody is anything. Even Brian Cox, what he says. But in my worldview, I'm someone for whom the maker of everything gave his son for me. He loved me and gave him for me. I'm of infinite value in an infinite universe because of what God has done. That's the difference that Christianity makes. All right, folks, uh, I think that's enough for this week. We uh, go up to our final song, which is from Fiji. It's a Fijian worship song um, it's basically for you for those of you who don't understand Fijian it says heavy burdens will be no more mountains will be no more the darkness will turn to light it shall not last it shall surely change there will be no more cries there will be no more darkness when we bring them to Jesus this life will be no more this world will be no more everything will disappear but the word of God shall remain well ain't that the truth uh, thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who've contacted me, sent me news and information, uh, complaints and suggestions and thank yous and everything else. Please do feel free to support us on the Podbean fundraiser and please do feel free to review this on whatever platform you get your podcasts. That really does help. Uh, God bless you and see you next week. <laughs>